0: Hello my name is David Turner, this is the Lunar Poetry Podcast. I'm in a field in Wiltshire today. We're down um, this way, we're going to Bristol tomorrow to uh, interview some local publishers and poets. We're going to have a sort of round table discussion just to find out what's going on in the area and if you're down this way you can get some tips and find out what's going on. Should be quite useful for that. Of course if you want to find out More about that episode and all the other stuff we've got coming up, you can find us at Lunar Poetry Podcasts on Facebook, Tumblr and Soundcloud, or at Silent underscore Tongue on Twitter. And as usual, all of our content is now available to download for free at uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Today's episode is in three parts. Uh, Coming up later on, we've got a couple of recordings that were taken on National Poetry Day. There's an interview with Melissa Lee Horton. But first up, we've got Norwegian poet Maria Schrattenholtz, who I met when I was on a recent trip in Oslo. Um, We got together at the House of Literature there and just had a chat about Maria's work and the influences and um, a couple of projects she's been involved with recently. Oh, and also I was just going to ask everyone to do me a favour. The Arts Council funding that we got covers trips like this one to Bristol and paying guest hosts and guests for the feature episodes each month it doesn't really allow much for marketing or promotion and we rely pretty much 100% on word of mouth so if you do like what we're putting out um, and you like the episodes or any of the interviews please do share them with friends and uh, all over the social medias. Cheers. Here's Maria.
1: In transit I cling To my chair in a row, sore eyed, seeing polished blue linoleum and an astronaut standing still in a watch shop window in Frankfurt Airport. I will fly for 11 hours thinking I know what awaits me. Humans to catch between my fingers. Like clock seconds and round stones. Finally landed, grounded, and then, then I cling to those young boys' hands. Making my hands young boys' hands. Pulling new skin and a continent to chew like a raw steak pink flavors to float in my mouth like strangers tongues against all that asphalt just a certain amount of heartbeats in an unfamiliar place i cling to salty words like come with me to Spain or Asia you'll love it but you can't love me and I cling to those rusty naked mountains and I need that like I need sugar in my saliva and comparing words To find the most beautiful language. Humans. To roll tear-like down the airplane window. Later. Should I bring that perfume oil? Should I bring that sweet rose chocolate home? I need an escape that room to replace the place I cannot stand. I am free and returning. Maps need to be clear from yearning. And I will never grow old here.
0: Thank you very much. Hello Maria. How you Hello,
1: doing? I'm doing good, thank yeah, yeah, yeah. you.
0: Um, just a quick note for the listeners, we're in a room um, in the House of Literature in Oslo and there's a kindergarten, barnhage, nursery class next door, so you may hear some kids screaming. Um, I think they're fine, aren't they? They're not being tortured. <laughs> it's Okay.
1: Maybe they're laughing at all Yeah, might, They probably are, yeah.
0: Um, I've got ridiculously big headphones on, so they probably find that quite amusing. Um, or the serious poetry you're yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was planning this little trip to Norway, I contacted a few poets and friends that I have already in Norway, and Petter Solberg, who's a mutual friend of ours, recommended your poetry. And I think his introduction was, you have to talk to Maria, she writes great sci-fi poetry, so maybe you could explain a little bit about the link between your writing and sci fi
1: We uh, published a book last year, um, which is called Atlas Punkt, and uh, that is sci-fi poetry, um, where humans, um, in towards the end of the book, humans have evacuated to Mars to live on Mars because Earth is no longer habitable. Um, so that is the sci-fi aspect of it, but it's also about other things as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so my follow-up question was going to be, is the uh, writing based in fantasy, or is that the writing is quite narrative driven and character driven? Is it? Is it? Um,
1: no, I mean the book is in four parts, um, and it is separated into individual poems, who you can also kind of read by themselves or individually, but there is this narrative uh, if you read it from the beginning to the end, uh, you can follow the narrative, yeah.
0: The sci-fi connection, is that, does that run through a lot of your work or is it just this one book, this one um, collection?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been very interested in sci-fi and I watch a lot of sci-fi movies and read a lot of sci-fi books. Um, so, I mean, this is my, my only book that i published published. But I would really like to write more mm-hmm. science fiction. I find myself being very uh i know like i mean uh, concerned about the different aspects of sci fi and different issues um, such as of it. i mean I would like to maybe write something about artificial intelligence in my next project um But also, I don't know, like, what I learned in creative writing class is also that you kind of shouldn't force the project into some frames. Uh, So, I'm keeping it in the back of my head and then I'm just writing and I'll see how it goes, basically. You can always
0: just make some people (laughs) aliens, can't you? (laughs) You just write, (laughs) write the poems first and then just change the first character into it's easy or a robot whichever I don't know much about sci-fi but I'm imagining they're the two That's an main. excellent
1: idea thank you so much you I, just I, saved I, it now I mean just <laughs> you saved my project right,
0: Yeah actually it might be quite a nice project we could go through some classic uh, poetry and just change the characters to robots that yeah. might be quite nice to yeah, to yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah That's great
0: But what what is it that so what what comes first is it I mean obviously we're talking about not trying to force your poetry into a certain theme, but if we talk about Atlas point for the moment, which came first? Was it poems that were just leading you towards an interest in sci-fi or was, was your interest predominantly in trying to write about that mm. form of literature?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a good question, but I mean when I started writing I did not know what I was doing at all, um, and I just started writing very fragmented in a way and as the project grew I had no idea like what to really do about it but then it kind of struck me that yeah they can they can be on Mars and I also had been in South Africa and been out in the mountains and like this landscape that is very different to what I'm used to seeing Um, and also like being the cradle of Mankind in a way. uh, is a very interesting place Um, So I was also writing about the first human Standing up and sensing and exploring the world. That's the first part of the book Uh, And this inspiration of Being in a different place, maybe longing somewhere else Um, So that is like the kind of human uh, aspects that I kind of baked into this narrative. Um, and when I figured out that, yeah, but they can actually just be there on Mars, that's how it has to be. And then I was very happy about it because, yeah, it made a lot of sense. And then it was also easier to put those emotions and um, psychological aspects into it in that context. Mm. So. It was more like, like to answer your question or at least try to answer your question. <laughs> it was more it was not like this planned thing. It was more that it evolved in that direction, uh, that it could be sci fi and I was happy about it and when it became sci fi it became better, I think. And it made sense mm. to do it in that way. So it was this merging of Yeah. Yeah. And of course I always wanted to write sci-fi it's a dream so (laughs) yeah Um,
0: and you mentioned just then that you'd been to South Africa and you sent me the link to a recording which is um, so if you could tell us about the project that you're involved in over there and how that other recording came about
1: yeah I mean that is uh, obviously not science fiction yeah i was going to say because there's a, say, there's a difference
0: correct. obviously between the two but they do feed into one another don't they
1: they yeah. do absolutely and that's the thing because it is science and uh it's very interesting to see how this human curiosity comes to life in projects like this square kilometer array yeah so what is this square, yeah
0: so what is this project because i probably won't do a very good job of it trying to explain
1: myself <laughs> no yeah they have a web, uh, web page and you can read a lot about it it's radio telescopes being built uh, in several countries and amongst them is uh, the crew or the desert areas in, in South Africa where they are gonna get a lot of knowledge from the universe basically mm. um, and uh, expand the human knowledge of, of, uh, of the universe and that's great and Projects like that captures the the urge humans have to understand the universe. Mm. And that I find very interesting. Um, so my friend uh, Rasmus uh, Bitz, who uh, does the Sound Africa podcasts, um, asked me, or I mean we were talking about it and we are both fascinated by this telescopes and everything and he had made this podcast about it a radio documentary uh, about it and I don't know we just came up with this idea of writing documentary poetry (laughs) and uh, then we did it and I used his podcast to um, I transcribed it into text and I used pieces of that uh, and I wrote some new uh, poetry around that and I also mm, used some of this stuff from my book, some sentences. I mean, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, because there are um, sections of interviews into like, edited edit into the whole recording and I was just, mm. one, one question I was going to ask was, um, did you listen to those Did you had you heard those interviews before or were they edited in by a producer afterwards
1: yeah no I've heard it, it's yeah. part of the podcast it's, it was part
0: of the, origin, part of the original uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. and also in the poem you can hear some sentences that are also being said mm. um, in the podcast yeah. yeah. and
0: how much input did you have on the way it was edited together in terms of it becoming a soundscape and
1: no, I mean, the, the beauty of it was that it was this collaboration um, where I was working on the text and uh, Rasmus was like this um, catalyst for the whole thing and keeping it together and getting people and he got hold of this girl who reads it, this actress. Uh, which I, I think she did an amazing job of reading it, and then also I had to kind of give up control of f- just passing it along mm. to somebody else, and then also there were these musicians who made the soundscape yeah. so I had nothing to yeah, yeah. do. The the, um, the music was in their mm. hands, that's like their field.
0: That, some small <laughs> people banging <a> the door. <laughs> <on.
1: laughs> Uh, we all worked together on it, but everybody was kind of in charge of their own field in a way. Uh, so, and, I, uh, <laughs> and the musicians also used uh, sound recordings from this particle accelerator that is in South Africa. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, that's also, I mean, a very uh, nice. Documentary <laughs> way of of, of uh, making the music, so so it's this fine exploration of documentary and other uh, artistic fields in a way. So mm. I'm going to really put the like link that. to
0: the podcast in the description to this interview to because I really enjoyed it. It was really nice okay, just cool. sitting on the train and listening to um, the different elements and yeah, parts of it are true documentary. Mm. Mm. True documentation, and mm. I wasn't obviously. I wasn't aware that they'd taken like they'd been sampling sounds from other experiments as well. It makes it even more of a documentation piece, but it's also quite an interesting interpretation of that process as well, yeah. um, artistically and um, with the writing. Mm. Um, I think we might take another reading before we go on to some more questions, please.
1: Okay. I hate sudden awakenings. I want to wake up slowly so I can register the thickness of the duvet the temperature of the light that falls or doesn't fall on my face the size of the room how close the walls are the resonance of my breath if there is someone next to me before I open my eyes in a headache hotel room in Berlin sweaty synthetic white blouse and smoke smelling here on the couch in my childhood home still broken from five-year-old feet jumping, illegally joyful. In a plain seat over Africa, someone bumping my sleeping bent knee. In an empty dark room above the arctic circle, not knowing if it's day or night, in a narrow London bed made for one but containing two snaky rain gliding over window glass someone playing piano in the next room no fire alarms so I can gradually Undisturbed, pour myself into this existence.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, so obviously, you've been the two readings you've done today have both been in English, but your book Atlas Book is originally written in Norwegian. Um, how did the translation come about? Have you been translating yourself?
1: Or yes. You, yeah. Um, yeah. I translated it to English uh, by myself um, and got some input from yeah. english-speaking people mm. uh, as well I mean it's probably not perfect but um, it's it's readable in English um, yeah. yeah and how
0: is the process is it a direct translation or are you are you trying to do you try in some way to rewrite it in English as you go along
1: uh, it's both I mean I didn't find it very challenging to translate because it's it's not Mm. very abstract in a sense of I don't know like uh, stretching the limits of the Norwegian language Mm. in any way it's it's kind of uh, Easy to directly translate a lot of it, but of course sometimes um, I had to rethink like the meaning of yes. the sentence and stuff like that and also the rhythm of of the words and how they work together mm. you have to rethink yeah you know. and how, how
0: important is the sound of the poetry being read out loud to you as you in your writing
1: um, I mean it is kind of important but it's not like I'm sitting and reading it aloud all the time while uh, while I'm writing it, but um, I do kind of have it mm, as part of the process to deal with it in a rhythmic way. Also, because yeah.
0: that, that was going to be my, that was the reason I um, wanted to ask that was because you mentioned about trying to keep the rhythm rhythm when translating. Um, does the is the rhythm always the same as a written piece, or does it change when you read it out loud? And does that affect the way a piece is translated?
1: I mean, it it has to change, I guess, depending on the language. Um, so it's not like it's fixed or set mm. in any way. It's more like trying to just um, try to make it work, yeah. basically. But I mean, like this poems that I read now is written in English from the beginning. Okay which is interesting because it's very, it's a very different language from Norwegian, mm. obviously. Um, but I find it easier to to play with, and I find it easier to put rhythm into it in a way. I mean, maybe you don't hear it when I read it now because I'm not used to reading it. But I've um, um, no, spoken
0: to a lot of Scandinavian writers about the fact that you know, most people have been to university in Scandinavia, usually your level of English will be quite high, especially written English, but there still seems to be quite a divide between writers that will write in their, na- their mother tongue and tra- translate to English, and those that will feel comfortable in writing directly in English, because mm. it's not always that transferable, is it? But then I suppose it's the style that you write in, and are there any limitations in English, do you feel, when trying to convey something over from Norwegian?
1: No. No, no no limits Yeah, yeah. no just wonder I've, because I've,
0: I mean I, I speak Norwegian and I've tried a, a few times to write um, either to write translate my poetry into Norwegian just as an exercise or <coughs> excuse me I've tried to write in Norwegian and I find mm. it really difficult I can't and I, I my writing is not very elaborate it's quite simple and quite basic but I still find it quite difficult to go. Over to Norwegian, so just I was just wondering. I wasn't uh, trying to lead you anywhere with that.
1: No, but it's also because, uh, as you can hear from these poems, it's also a bit about um, transportation around in the world and being in different places, and um, so it also like trying to put words on my um, my journeys in a way, like using English as the spoken language um, for the last, yeah, one two years I've been traveling and, and using a lot of English, like that's been my main mode of communication in a way, so it also feels natural to use that language to describe these travel experiences like this, um, being in different places and uh, meeting different people and yeah, like in this first poem where I say uh, comparing words to find the most beautiful language. It's interesting when you are traveling and meeting people of a lot of different nationalities. And it's, it's, it's a lot of conversations about language, actually. Mm. Like, oh, how yeah, do you yeah. say that? And how do you swear in that language? And blah, blah. <laughs> you know, you always have... Uh, a lot of people with not necessarily English as their first language, and then everybody 's communicating in language in yeah. English and then there is a lot of talk about language and it's it 's interesting
0: yeah I used to work a lot with um exhibition work in galleries around scandinavia so and then but the, the common language was usually English because it was just easier that everyone picked something uniform, mm-hmm. but then it was interesting watching the Scandinavians and to a certain extent, Germans as well. Mm. There were certain phrases which would come up from each language because everyone just agreed that they were the best way of describing something or the most uh, attractive way of describing. Mm. And usually, when talking about the artwork, which was quite interesting, there was I think people would lock on if you're trying to describe something. I think maybe that's what I was trying to get to with the translation descriptions of things. Quite, quite they seem to be most often the most difficult things to translate. Mm. You know. We can all find ways of communicating instructions and descriptions of... uh, um, I'm not contradicting myself there, am I? No, but like, you know, (laughs) in terms of uh, trying to elaborate and creatively describe something, maybe that's where the problem comes with jumping over to another language.
1: Maybe, maybe. I and mean,
0: I'm sure my failings with Norwegian are just my failings. Like I just. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't. Uh, I haven't tried to translate these English poems into Norwegian. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how that would work, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not like they necessarily have to be in English. I think. No. no. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens yeah. to them. But.
0: <laughs> and what's your background in terms of study, and did you? Is it all Norwegian or?
1: Yeah, I mean, Norway-based. Yeah, I studied uh, contemporary art at the Art Academy Mm. uh, in in Tromsø Mm. in northern Norway. Uh, Interesting place, (laughs) and then I did two years of creative writing uh, at the same university, and that's where I know Pata Solberg from. Um, And then I. Just did one year of creative writing in Bergen at the umkunst mm-hmm. Um yes, so um, a lot of uh, very useful knowledge <laughs> yeah. and how did
0: Atlas Punct come about? Was that an extension of stuff you've been working on at that point, or is this newer work?
1: No, I started uh writing in two thousand and eleven and then I worked on what was gonna be that book yeah. during the two years of the creative writing class in in uh, Yeah. So I I worked on it during those years with feedback from. Mm.
0: And who's is it published by? October. October. Like, oh yeah, I forgot. So you approached October. Is yeah. Is that how that worked? Yeah. I did. Mm.
1: And I sent in. <laughs> it was very different from, of course. I mean, it was unfinished and everything. And they said like, yeah, this is not finished, but work more on it, and I did, and then I got into this dialogue with my editor and, mm. yeah, worked with her for quite a while, and then in the end it got finished.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's nice to, to actually, uh I think, especially maybe, this may be a very London thing, I think the impression is that, especially poets, you have to sit around and wait for someone to approach you. And it's nice to know that there is a. It's still in your control slightly, you know, that you can still go and knock on people's doors and send manuscripts in them. Mm. Um, but that may be a difference between the UK and, North, and, North, and Scandinavia in general, I don't know. But I'm um, uh, just looking at the clock, I always wish I could just talk for hours with everyone, but I can't put that stuff out on the internet. Um, I think we should finish with a reading, please.
1: Okay. The first touch of crackling cotton hotel sheets. A reminder of those lemony lusts. Those nights. Glossy as thickly membraned photographs. But told of to no one. Now... I share the bed with my mother, like we're both in the same womb. Then bright morning comes, and before she awakes, I leave with only myself, dressed in my knee length men's shirt, with suitcase wrinkles and naked legs through sliding doors into June I'm just another caffeine soul in the pastel Stockholm streets in the smooth subway tunnels wanting to smile but the licorice between my teeth stops me, and sunshine headaches, your skin is still freshly smelling, lining my skull on the inside, you're also in this world somewhere, anywhere, I don't know, white airplane trails from horizon to horizon evaporating my gaze the flatness of the world keeps me walking suddenly i recognize an ice cream shop because i've been here before but still Nothing has my name on it. I'm watching taxidermied animals. Museum Dusty. In children's patterns, I clap my hands for them. Then I stand still, like them glassy-eyed, reborn, anonymous.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, relevant, but when we're talking about sci-fi and language and translation and all of that, um, I find it also relevant to mention this uh, movie that's coming. It's called Arrival. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's based on on a short story called uh, The Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang Uh, and you can find it online Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is a beautiful short story about how um, language affects the way you think uh, and how you perceive the world differently uh, through different languages because here the aliens are arriving and they obviously (laughs) are Communicating in a completely different language, and this linguist um, tries to understand them, and she is able to communicate with them, and she learns the language, and it affects her whole perception of the world, and that's very—it's very interesting. So, um, so yeah, it's—it's it's like when you are in another country and you talk to people uh, who are bilingual or have. Uh, different languages. Like in South Africa people have several languages often and it's often like so do you dream in Afrikaans or do you dream in English or I mean people often ask that and I mean if I use English as a second language uh, a lot I start to dream in English and I start to think in English and I start to write in English so um yeah and it's different and it's interesting
0: i mean that's a good place to stop thank you very much maria thank you so that was maria Schrattenholz. um you can get hold of her collection atlas punkt through oxhober fuller which is a pretty well established norwegian publisher Um, there'll be a link to their website in the description to this audio coming up next is the absolutely amazing melissa lee horton Um, who was down in London recently and I was lucky enough to meet up with her for a chat. It's quite a long one, but um, I'd challenge anyone to meet Melissa and not want to talk to her for hours and hours. Here's Melissa.
2: Blue Prelude I listen to Nina through the wild old blizzard shedding its coat. Snow sticking to my real eyelashes, my thoughts curled up at the edges and I'm walking and you're talking to me though you're not there, not anywhere I see two women I used to know who sour and don't smile at me lifetimes charge into me with the maddening gathering gale. I am not safe in my own heart. I pull my fur hood down and carry my two shopping bags filled with boxes of pre-packed fruit Nina sings What is a love but a prelude to sorrow? A song I listened to the first day my husband kissed me, the first day I ever made him cry. My depression, then, was my most attentive and long-standing partner, and pushing them aside, he warmed his twenty-something heart in my bed, slowly and holily, with all the lights in my house out. If you fall in love in winter, you've more chance of sticking together. It's cold, and everyone needs another to survive these bastard blizzards. John's in New York, hold up and decided in his lover's fate. I light candles and kiss my son on his gorgeous snout. The sun will set soon, and I will call Sham at the studio. I need money more than I need love. I'm £200 a night, and you might laugh, but I always put in a good performance. Steve used to say I deserved a solid, huge, round brass medal that clattered around my neck, paraded for all the world. I know he could have helped me out of this, though his soul now is as cold to me as Pluto out in space. I looked at photos of him yesterday, very much alive, the cut of his jib appealing to me my own elvis my own lowly god now with joe and jade and counting down the days and sunsets until i can join them angels in heaven where there is no substance worth dying for and libido and ego and id lie back in the foggy wasteland float forever in euphoria, souls untied and bleeding diesel and acid rain and tears and all the poisons of the wasted years and it comes down now hard on us via clouds and swelling bursts of petering out sun and our sunken, appalled memories. In heaven, my sweethearts are riding exercise bikes, wearing sweatbands, because there's nothing to do Just to touch your skin one more time, I would get on a plane tonight, in the minuses, a boat, a two-man canoe. I would shiver, fly through the airways, my voice a Cortina, my breath the breath of a Holocaust survivor. This morning, I saw a picture of the last Jew to be shot down in a gaping hole and covered in European dirt, and the killers laughing and smoking. Steve always overused the word trite. His politeness was of a frequency so perfect in my sleep now. I hear him apologise for his lack of being alive and therefore in a real house on a real street and not too far away to call or take a black cab. Come back. I'll give you my steady hand. Pull you close like we used to. Your late father's crocodile belt. I want you to beat me with it. You once put your skinny arms around me, Steve, invoked him. I am a catalyst for love that has no place in this world or the next. So beat me with it, please. The light dims and a bare bulb flicks on across the street. A girl with rickets attempts to walk up the hill past the church. Two fat women in black talk animatedly, and I forget where I am. I need money. Emails from you don't come. The taste on my tongue is bitter. I remember how you smell, even when I'm alone. Fully satiated, you walked around my birth town, maliciously involved with the night, hoiking up her skirts, showing Hogan is fit, and many women are serendipitously beautiful. The girl on the quiz show is a Nordic goddess, and I'm gonna write in, she's stunning, such a long white neck. If you have the time, darling, darling, if you have the time, please write to me out of love. And if you're out of love, it often skips a generation, but I have it in perpetuum. A handbook is ideal if you feel by numbers and love by design. But I hike my skirt up and disappear into the black hole, the hole where all the lovers go, bypassing heaven for a detour of. The man across the street, with his 70s haircut dances, swings and clicks his fingers and knows where I am, here, watching solemnly. I like to be watched, but please don't look at me. He air drums out of sync and when he's stoned tonight, we'll watch the period drama at opposite ends of the sofa, stilted. Please go down on me. You can't have two boyfriends, I tell my daughter. Pick one and stick. Why? The dead don't come back. Something's wrong. I can feel it, like I feel the horror of recognition when someone looks happy. That was me. I, I did this. Paradise shuts down at the first sign of rhinovirus come into my arms my wingspan will impress you it's incredible I swear it my genes are like so bad but I have resolve and for £200 a night I'll give you all my love like this I will whisper poetry all hush and hormones and harm in your delicate ear
0: thank you very much um, and that's from your new collection, Sunshine. It is penned in the margin. It
2: is. Do you ah. want to see it? Just yes,
0: to Have a quick look. <laughs> that, because um, it's actually it's nice. People don't often read uh, poems that are quite that long on the podcast, but it's really I really enjoy. it. You read it really well. So we were talking earlier before we started recording that yours you were telling me you're also a playwright is, is that you would you identify yourself as that first, or are you just a, gen- no, a writer in general?
2: i just a writer in general, yeah, I just yeah. write a lot of stuff, yeah.
0: But do you find the the form of uh, writing poetry to be restrictive in terms of the amount of space you have to...? T- Not at no. all,
2: no, I think it's just, um because I think if you always read very different things, you're interested in lots of different art forms, and um, even film and, and visual art and all sorts of different things. Um, Poetry you can do anything with that. I think it's the it's the thing that I'm most into in terms of what I write because it, it's very dramatic like that I could turn that into a play like yeah. I, could, I could I could make that into sort of a dialogue or I could do something with it and I like writing that you can you can change it into something else all the time. I don't see it as being very fixed at all. And to be honest I would never take that and do anything with it now because it's there and mm. it's it's done. But I like the idea that you can. It's never it's never it's never over is it? You can always do something else with it.
0: You'll have to remind me because I'm not I don't keep up with these things very much. But you were recently uh, in London for the Forward Prize. I was. And what was that nomination for? It was Forward Prize is, but, yeah. It
2: was the best single poem yeah. category a poem a really, really silly long poem it goes on forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it's a difficult one because it makes me feel very, very bad when I when I read oh, okay. it. Okay. I was in agonizing yeah. pain, like emotionally when I wrote it. Yeah, so yeah. then I suppose you have to go through all well, on being praised for something that was very painful. And then if you don't think about it like that consciously it's not too bad but when it's been very odd for that particular poem I found it very very difficult to deal with I suppose any kind of praise for it because I instinctively um, I don't like that it exists I don't like that I was in that much pain that I had to write something like that and also because it possibly doesn't always come across to people that read it I don't think that it comes from a place of sort of suffering because it's about sex. Mm. So it's, it, it, again, it's like, so I think people might take, wow, it's a really exciting poem about somebody's intimate thoughts about feelings about their body and about other people and what they want and things. But it's actually nothing to do with that for me. It's absolutely got nothing to do with relationships. It's got nothing to do with having sex with somebody. It's purely about, longing for something that's never going to come. That's what it's about for me. And that's mm. a very, very hard thing to write about. And it's a very, very hard thing to then stand up in front of people and read. And I, I never intended to ever read it to an audience, actually. Mm. So I, I read it twice in London recently and I felt really bad. I felt really bad afterwards because you have to go into that place to perform something, you know, the same way an actor would, you know. And, and you... Well,
0: I've had this conversation a few times because I... I... I'm quite open in my own writing and then that, that point where you come to read your work in front of an audience and the, the, we were speaking briefly as we had a cup of coffee before we started recording weren't we about the reactions of audiences and they come up and and very genuinely in, and well intentioned they come up and they tell you how much they enjoyed your performance and how <laughs> how real your emotions seem to yeah. them. Um, I'm, constantly well I don't read much in public anymore cuz I yeah. enjoy it but I'm constantly telling people I'm you know I'm not an actor Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, what you saw then was that how I felt in the moment and yeah. there's that idea isn't there like we were talking about sort of truth in your poetry there's this idea that are we are we obliged to be completely honest in our writing but then in some way be actors when we're on stage like is that cause I think we, so yeah we, we, are we expected to switch over? and
2: Well, we're not expected to, but people that don't will, will always struggle. And I have to... Uh, I used to be me. I used to mm-hmm. go and do a reading and there was absolutely me. And often that me was a very fragile, vulnerable person, which just isn't, doesn't work because it doesn't... It's just so profoundly uncomfortable for the audience and for you to do that. And so I realised that the only way to do it is to perform something. So I have to be be somebody else. Now it's got to the stage where I never, I've never worn the same outfit twice. I do a lot of readings, you can imagine. Like <laughs> this is getting silly. I do that. It wasn't a conscious thing for a while, but I do it because I don't want to be me. And I need to be as far away from me as possible if I'm going to read something like that. And although I do get in it, and I remember that place, and I am articulating and expressing those feelings. I still have to be. I feel like I'm an actress, and it's not me. Because also, I've. Have you ever read the book *Perfume*? I can't remember who wrote it. Novel about a man. I love this novel so much, and it's a really disturbing novel about a man who has this profound sense of smell, and um, he kills loads of women, right? And at the end. He he creates this beautiful perfume and he pulls it over himself and and a big crowd of people just basically rip him to pieces. And, I, and I'm not being this is very dramatic and melodramatic as well, but I feel like that's what can happen to somebody if they're got you know you're not you're not an actor you're not an actress, you're not reading somebody else's work you're reading something that is just very profound for you in a way that it's never going to be for the audience. And they can tear you apart if they want to. Some of the comments I get after readings will disturb me for weeks afterwards. They really, really disturb me, worry me, and I and I feel that they've take, they're have they trying to take something from me or they're trying to own something about me. I've given them something, and I feel very exposed. Mm. I feel like I might as well be stood in a room absolutely naked. Genuinely just don't feel... It doesn't make me feel good.
0: Is it the... the what kind of comments affect you most is it for me it's the the more polite and empty comments have the worst effect on me because i just think like what were you watching (laughs) and they really they i can find them like just really empty comments about oh oh, i really love that or you know when people are obviously trying to be polite and just sort of say be enthusiastic but i can i don't know because it so there, I find it I can't hard, connect yeah. it to what's just happened and it's a very...
2: it's it's, a, it's all very discombobulating isn't it I think that's the mm. that's the best word I can think of I know what you mean because you you think I didn't actually enjoy that what did you enjoy? And you sort of have to go, okay, I, that's you and that's your experience and that's really great. But if you do it with a lot of people, if a lot of people say it to you, you start, I start to get very drunk and then and get in a bad place, like very quickly this happens. But I think some of the things that actually people say to me are profoundly weird. They're mm. not just empty comments. They're like, I was telling you before, somebody, uh, reading I did recently, said that they were going to go home and masturbate, right? No. How I, I couldn't possibly have then gone oh that's really great that's like the best thing i've ever heard because it just disturbed me i was looking into a human being's eyes that was saying this to me as though it was a normal thing to say to me you don't know who has just that's read a mean, poem <laughs> that's really profoundly upset them having to read it right I, it put me in the funk like you wouldn't <laughs> believe this but also sometimes i have men like i had this guy once say um You write a lot about sex, it's a real turn off for me, right, and this one comment, because you have to work your way into what possesses somebody to say, something so profoundly bizarre, like some people might have just laughed and gone okay, but I thought well what were you expecting, what were were you expecting to be turned on by what I was doing, there was an expectation that led up to a disappointment there, that just made no sense and that these sorts of things recently as well a lot of people will say oh I remember seeing you read years ago you, you weren't like you are now you were like you hated it didn't you you know and they, I, I constantly getting reminded about how much I hated it and I just say I don't really want to think about that like I did genuinely hate mm. it I didn't want to ever have to do it and perhaps I've become more right at it but that will that will throw me into like the darkest depths of despair just like <laughs> in a minute
0: that's really uh not many things catch me, but um, I, I just can't imagine how I'd feel if someone told me they were going to masturbate after one of my... Pro- <laughs> I mean, my work is not... you wouldn't want to masturbate to <laughs> my work, but... Um, I mean, as amusing as it is, is between us now, I find that quite disturbing, like, well, very disturbing, because I, I suppose as a, as a man... I'm, very, I'm quite protected from stuff like that. Very few people gonna have the gall to come up to me and say something like that to me afterwards. Do you it, think yeah. that
2: the person that said this, I don't know who I've told yeah. you, I think it was a man or a woman.
0: The way you're looking at me, I'm, you've made me change my <laughs> mind to say you're a woman. But I was going to say man initially, because that's... Because you'd of,
2: imagine that that would... Yeah, because you didn't... Yeah, because yeah. if a man said that, he would have been kneading the balls, right? Yeah. Because it was a woman, it was actually more disturbing to me. But I would,
0: I would... I mean, I can't tell, but I would imagine that the same person perhaps wouldn't say the same thing to a, a male performer. I think that's where the difference exactly. is I, I think it's wrong whoever's said it it's, yeah, but,
2: but it, it it's so unsettling yeah, um, yeah I do get really odd comments like that that just make me. you, you have to you, you then ask yourself too many questions. You want to leave that alone. I do try and leave it behind but I do remember things like that and to say I don't understand. I can't imagine myself, you know when you think about things that people say you can't imagine yourself ever either thinking it or saying it. So that's what I do a lot in life I think. Would I say that? And and what would make me think that that would be a thing that uh, I would a couple say? Of,
0: a couple of times in life people have said something that's so shocking to me. My my only responses go into my head and try and imagine a time where I would have ever
2: ever had the courage to do and if you can't even imagine that then that's what really unsettles you isn't it that's the thing about about shock like I don't think my work is in any way shocking real life is very shocking isn't it real life is incredibly shocking as as
0: we were talking before about like maybe some people do read your, your intentions are shocking to your work do you think that woman that came up to you afterwards assumed that's the reaction, you would, had she assumed you'd be pleased to hear that kind of reaction because she thought you wanted to engage people in that way?
2: Yes, because I was um, obliged to perform that poem, which is, like I've said, it's about sex, so I do it in a quite provocative way because instead of being in it, the, the doing it that way actually distances me from it in a big way. Which I need to do to protect myself to, in order to read it. It's very, really, very really, really complicated. But I didn't because I hadn't read it in in its entirety before. I hadn't any idea what the reaction would be. I also found it quite like because I've written it and I've read it before and things like that. It's just very boring to me, you know. So I, you, you can't really anticipate what somebody else will will think about it. But I guess when I thought about it, I thought, well, OK, I was wearing fishnet tights, <laughs> and I was probably being very sort of seductive when I was reading it. and. But then you have to think, surely people understand that that was performance, that I, well, I'm not just like this... Um, I'm not a provocative person. I'm actually quite quiet and uh, disciplined. Mm. I sit at a desk all day and write things, you know. Um, but... He, sometimes you can just look at a person's face, you have to know them, you, you, you might have a sense of what they're like. So you do that, don't you, I guess. Like, even on like, social media, you might think, they've yeah. got a really kind face. You know, and yeah. it's amazing how much you would respond just to how somebody looks these days, because we're just assaulted by images of people all the time. Um, and we're constantly formulating our narratives about other people, aren't we? So I know that that happens, you know, if you, if you see an actor in a film... You can imagine something about them or their real life. You try to because you want to so much, don't you? You want them to be a real person. In fact, you want them to be the person they are in the film most of the time. Mm. But you have to create a narrative for, for people to make sense of the world. I think
0: poetry readings as well have this special little atmosphere as well because they can, especially smaller and more intimate readings, there's this whole thing of mm. they can see the whites of your eyes. And yeah. if if your poem has touched them directly... I think people get caught into this short-lived euphoria where they honestly believe you were there to talk to them, which is an amazingly powerful thing. If
2: if I'm addressing everybody as you (laughs) as well, Mm -hmm. this is what's difficult. I wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. It's not really about I that. This this is actually about this is involve yourself in this, um, which is part of my deep psychological problem is that I want people to be involved with me and they're not I feel incredible intense loneliness that that just just is absolutely disabling on on a minute-to-minute basis so it's part of the I'm inviting a conversation that never comes back to me and I guess that partly in a reading people might pick up on that they might think she's talking to me I need to say something back to her and I guess the weird thing about it is it's probably a very, very particular response that I'm actually wanting in return. Sometimes I want um, my dad to speak to me, he's dead, so he's never going to, is he? So I might write to him and like I said, like the the addressee is never. It's always going to shift, you know, nobody ever, ever knows who it is, but it might be that I'm writing to one particular person that can never speak back to me and never would, but then the person that's listening to it is a complete other person I've never met before and they might feel the impulse to do that for me but how to know what to say mm. it's, 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 it's a traumatic thing the whole thing about it is traumatic
0: and do you think with the sense of sort of longing and boredom that comes through in your work and that sort of need for consumption and going back to like, um, if there are any elements of longing or boredom sometimes that sort of offers a to to people to talk to you, doesn't it yeah. and i think out of politeness people try to fill that space because they that's naturally to, yeah. what you would do in a one-to-one conversation it? Yeah. but it still doesn't it still doesn't answer why someone <laughs> might tell you they're gonna mess the.
2: <laughs> it doesn't there is no way that we can figure this out like we're never gonna we're I, never I gonna just laugh. really
0: made myself laugh that i honestly i think i'd convinced myself we were trying to work that out then <laughs>
2: It's definitely going to be worked out. We'll leave that one. We'll leave that behind. (laughs) It's a lost cause, that. I think we should maybe
0: uh, take another reading. um, Okay.
2: Chateau Marmont, Ace of Hearts. I see so far into you, your sphincter titans. You are one of those people who can't imbibe without thinking of the next hit. Right now, it could be better you chase it. The machine spits out the money on a seventh attempt. A ghost of indecision in pale slacks and blue shirt. Nothing out of place. You look like someone on the run with your Lolita. We groom one another with our dysfunction. Atoms fear us. Your phone rings. You look at me horrified and hesitate. My hips keep you in check. Look at those hips. The passenger doors bruise my loneliest side, it gets no loving. What would we be doing irresponsibly if it weren't for this burden of responsibility? I can guess. Your Rolex pines for later. And there's time, always. You know what I think. What colour is my swimsuit? will die anyway. Life on the edge is anxiety-inducing and you wash your clothes in the sink in hotel body lotion. No one keeps secrets like I can, but I'm sick. I stride across the foyer in an unwashed dress. Your gaze does not have a diversion tactic. My God, you look great, you tell me. In a fever, I want to lie on these cold tiles right now and cry. Temptation is an ancestor of mine. You may have heard of her. I'm a one-time thing. You know about pain relief? Sex, we say. Sex several times in a conversation whilst the other guests get jealous. Chris shakes her head. She tells me to cover my bosom. I pull my bandeau dress down further. Look at this flesh. It's all I've got. And we could do it. There's so much to be had. One time only is enough. I want to speak only to you. It's like I imagined, only more vivid. You want more. And I place my head on the table. I tell you there's only one chance with me. You stare at my arms, the little crucifixes. You say we should eat, but our appetite is non-existent. Moths flutter around the poppies. Then I wipe the floor with your self-soothing alibi. The coil tightens around my father as he takes another last breath. I heard you this morning. He looks at me and says it twice, and our friend looks worried. Next door, you were close. Showering, I heard you turn the shower on the hot water heard you singing the towels were warming on the radiator 4am how did they feel on your wet skin oh god i won't come here again not with you i need to smoke you're insufferably edible aren't you i heard you cry out in the night was something hurting were you in pain i wasn't i couldn't even feel my own spine 4am damn girl why do you never sleep
0: thank you very much I really like the way there's so much going on all the time in your writing, it's really nice. Um, d- did you have any problems when you were first trying to get published with people? Were, 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 was anyone inclined to try and get you to narrow it down to one narrative or, or were you always able to just...?
2: Well I didn't have got much success, so of only works magazines and I always thought it would never happen, you know, never be. Um, I wasn't that bothered though, I didn't really have much ambition but the first book that I published a pen in the margins I wrote when I was in a psychiatric ward and so I was writing a lot about other people I was writing about they were a lot shorter the poems Um, I sort of wrote these sort of self portraits about people that I met people that I really liked or I didn't like or some people in my life in my real life and things like that but they were nowhere near as as sort of busy as these but they were just as complex but it was weird, because when Tom accepted the book, I just couldn't believe it. I just hadn't... It, it just seemed like a just a look. And I remember, f- f- till it came out, I didn't really believe it was ever going to come out. I just had no idea why anybody liked it, or why anybody... But I think that gives you sort of... Once you've established, right, well, OK, I've got a book out, then you can write more. and you c- I've always been terrified of writing the same thing. I won't, I never ever ever want to feel like, even if other people think I have, I, I don't want to feel like I've written the same thing, um, and part of me making it um, interesting for myself is to condense really overwhelming experiences into something, and they're still very contained even if there's a lot going on in them, but I can't be just that thing there, and that place there, and that happened, because to me the whole world is overwhelming twenty four hours a day so that's that's what that is really
0: um in terms of the, the narratives that do exist in your poems are they all your own or because the, the, i should probably yeah, i should definitely try to explain my point a bit more <laughs> I started writing in a psychiatric ward um and that's how I came into um being involved with poetry and stuff i I was encouraged to write while I was on the secure in the cool. secure unit. Yeah. I definitely found at that point and I had an inclination after spending time in there and coming out that I I found I was trying to bunch a lot of stuff together. Yeah. And I think it came from living in an environment where there were so many stories happening all at once and like the common room. So it was a sort of Y-shaped ward. It's a very simple, familiar layout all over the country but then we had the common room and that I think a lot of my poems seem to take the form of the conversations in yeah. that, and they still do in a way, but I've sort of, uh, this is going to be a side point, I'm, I feel slightly guilty about representing other people's, well it's not actually a side point, it does relate, um, I feel slight guilt about being too honest about other people's stories without having their permission oh, and stuff, yeah. so yeah. Uh, that's sort of where I'm getting to I suppose, if if they're not all your own... Um, narratives or your own stories well, they always how you are. Think, yeah, that's the yeah. thing,
2: I'm comfortable with it because they always are now, yeah. there, there are some poems that I've written that have an ethical element that you you have to square with yourself mm. to be able to put them out there in the world and it's not easy nobody would ever know apart from maybe the people that I've written about and, and there are always people that I think they wouldn't mind or they might find some sort of humour in it they might be quite flattered by it or you know, like it's okay and often I will send it to that person and sort of make sure it's okay but I always change the names as well if I use a name Mm. it's never the the actual name except when it is somebody that's happy for me to use it but there are some that I have to say to myself you know, about things that people have done that have been really horrible but then I think to myself, well they shouldn't have done it like if they if they, if they'd have thought that I shouldn't have harmed this person then maybe they wouldn't end up having um a poem out in the world about this yeah. harm that they've created in the world
0: yeah I think um my my main sort of conduit and the whole thing was that I sort of i I had enough faith in myself that whatever I wrote, if I ever involve anyone else in my writing, that I would try and do it fairly and, you know, and I'm just talking about people that have been quite nice, you know, if you put aside you know, love, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, just people that you've come across and especially people I've met within psychiatric services, other other patients and that. My main worry is that what happens when that poem goes out into the world and other people read it and treat someone else's story is entertainment and I'm okay if people do that with my Mm. story yeah and that's sort of what I was wondering so it seems with your if it's I can understand with your work if it's um if it's you writing about yourself then you can square that quite easily with yourself can't you yeah definitely but I was just wondering about um just a more general conversation about what right we have to tell other people's stories and even even if it's someone that's been a, a An arsehole to you, you know, like it's yeah, I I
2: think if you don't use the names, like there's no litigation, (laughs) right? (laughs) But, but yeah, I'm joking a little bit. Um, there there is something that has really, really been occurring to me, like there's somebody that I write about, and I've always written about her, she's in all my books. Um, she died, um, and that's been an ongoing, you know, what can I say? The thing is that I know. I know that she would have wanted her story to be told so that's what i'm trying to do um when she died she sort of visited me like it's genuinely and 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 i I, I was terrified and i said and i I didn't know what to say and i remember just stuttering what what do you want me to do and she said always love me and and in my mind i suppose that's what the writing is constantly addressing her is, is 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 loving her i guess um but i i do use her name and um But there was a lot of period of thinking, is this actually an okay thing to do? I've written something about her that was more factual an essay. And somebody said to me, actually, if a family read this, Mm. you know, you'd get sued. You know, so, like, you do have to be very, very, very careful with a lot of things. But I very rarely use a name. The only names that I do use, I think, generally, are people that are dead they have no say in it but they're never in a context that i mean me knowing them well they've got terrible i don't want you to you know they would be okay with it and also there's an element of, of i suppose like i'd love somebody to publish a poem about me. i think it's really cool like how fabulous um so as long as you're not but you this know, is what
0: i mean about the difference between being giving a fair representation of a person and whether they find it flattering for instance i i have a poem which has been published in the magazine and it's about a very specific incident that happened on the ward but it's written in a way that because every day is the same that's the yeah, whole point yeah, you're there and yeah. medication and eating medication yeah, and, eating, and, and that's the I whole remember. point <laughs> um it's sort of set in that that it could have been and it, that's the whole point i think i've written it in a very fair way about the, the people that are contained in that. they haven't used their real names, but what I would really worry about is that someone after it's been published would read it and find some sort of entertainment yeah. in the fact that these people are sick and how oh look you know, that element of like the the viewer in the zoo you know that element, like viewing through the glass literally um yeah. and at these people. That's what I don't feel comfortable with is I, I know myself, I know my motives and I'm happy with the ethical question of whether I mean right yeah. by writing about them. But it's just that, I, I suppose going back to what we were talking about earlier about being able to let go of your work and trust people to... Yeah, to... I couldn't
2: do any of this if I actually thought about what people thought. Mm. I do consider um, it's a very voyeuristic thing. So you've got to appreciate what a voyeurism is to be a confessional poet. You've got to appreciate that, that it's an exchange. I think my poetry is very masochistic and I think that the audience are often very voyeuristic but i find it fascinating so it's okay but i know that i can't sit around thinking what what would they think about this person or worry about that because again it would just inhibit me from doing the work that i do and i suppose i'm very bloody minded like that's that's the thing about me i've got one life this is the only thing i'm good at um what am I going to do? I'm going to push it as far as it goes, because otherwise there's no point in it for me. I don't, I don't want to do anything half-heartedly ever, yeah. apart from maybe go off in a hot air balloon tomorrow, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I will do that. <laughs> I think I might join
0: you, yeah. Yeah. And, yes. uh, uh, and so, yeah, talking about uh, masochism, <laughs> we could maybe have another reading.
2: <laughs> <laughs> White Chapel after rain and then the long plateau. Still, I can't imagine him asleep or you smoking a pipe or peeling an orange, but oh, how my imagination persists with your violent suffering over me. An empty picture, me not in it. Let's do something, it's exciting me. Eyes scratched out with lack of dope. I wanted to be held. And if it involves rope, red paint, and a collar, I'll not only be there, I'll take pictures of it. Just between you and me is something I never heard before, but we laugh at murder and the missing schoolgirl from around the corner won't come back unharmed. I woke up craving nicotine, but like you, I see eroticism in the desolate and unsated and I don't smoke. It was a lynch weekend, but it moved quickly into Bergman. Then Dick and I walked through Whitechapel where we gesticulated in half-hearted drizzle and he said it was the kind of weather only a mother could love. We could visit Henry he said and I inhaled hard and didn't hesitate to decline and I came and on reflection I told him I think it was the cocaine. Packets of pills all over my room and I've scrubbed you out of it for the sake of the sanctity of myself. Heart bruising and facial bites and I have died heavily, almost sleeplessly. Ten hours out of one hundred and a thousand climaxes detonated submissively. It hurts more, yes, now, and I could tie you up right now, yes, and cut into it if it doesn't hurt. Nothing can be undone that leaves marks like these, your belt around my neck and your hand pushed into my mouth, tighter. We all condensed into that in shame and pleasure and you too have watched me bleed inside. Would you object to it? I'd die for it. you die. I'd kill you. Yes, and I'll kill you back. Will you? I want you to. Really. Please. Yes. I've not come inside you because I don't want children. I ate your children just now. Yes, and I'm totally fucked. You did all those things. Yes, but you also wrote about it. So it's okay then. You write it down. You're absolved from it. Did you not know that's why I'm so good? I create my own absolution and win prizes for it. And someone on Twitter says I'm writing about body objectification whilst you bite my breasts and I cry voicelessly. Cokeheads wake up numb and I am bitten all apart. I go down to the off-licence and the shopkeeper tries to sell me eggs several times when all I came for was obliteration. I delay so many things to feel them fully. And yes, Dick, I'll show up in all my excruciating splendour for the leeching voyeurs because I've got nothing. Even a masochist knows when they can't lose. I accumulate bad decisions. My sugar coating helps, and that is all. You think you'll win this one? Well, I think I'm the only true fuck up there, so wouldn't it be more of a show to give the money to the one with the most bruises? You know, and yes, in red, I will hold my guts in and bow and get on my knees for you. If I could sleep right now, I would, but instead. I might neck liquid Prozac and swallow Tramadol and try not to get too fucked at 5am I'm not proud of myself if you were wondering you can't take pride in dying better than anyone and yeah when it comes it comes hard for me and my death will be a very wet orifice and everyone will push into it and enjoy me
0: um. We might have run out of time, but it was really nice chatting to you, Melissa. It thank was
2: wonderful. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, there'll be links to uh, your uh, online presence in the description of this, so we don't <laughs> need to go into that too much now. But um, yeah, so Sunshine is out through Pending the Margins it now. It is now. It's, um, it's in
2: the get world. Get over
0: to pending Margins. I've just realised that um, I love everyone they publishing. <laughs> 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 Dawned on me yesterday. All right, thank you, Melissa. Thank
2: you very much.
0: so that was uh, melissa lee horton Um, her collection sunshine is currently out through pending the margins um probably find it in most bookshops but you can obviously also buy it direct from them on their website next up um on national poetry day last week i was over at mile end at the art pavilion there to see a couple of performances by james Wilkes, emma bennett and ella Coming up are two of the performances from that night. The first one is a work for three voices performed by Emma, Ella, and James, and it's entitled And I Remember a Feeling of Tightness on the Skin. The work is based on transcripts of interviews about three people's experiences of a poetry reading, and the transcripts have been organised into a score that explores the ways in which speech elaborates moments of experience, bringing them into being through the work of the voice and through a kind of digestion or chewing over, which is shared, public and provisional.
3: And I remember a feeling of tightness on the skin. And this is kind of stretching over my cheeks. Across, across my cheeks here.
4: I'm afraid I'm not quite listening to you I can kind of
3: just feel it tightening. And there's a slight pull kind of behind, below my eyes. But I'm really,
4: really, really... Um,
3: I'm looking up to a level slightly above your head. Um, But there's no clear visual image. I think when I concentrate... I'm really,
4: really, really um, mesmerised by a scene on your shoe. I think there's a little hole. Yeah, in the toe. My
5: brow
3: kind of furrows. It really does. It's like quite a physical thing on my face. Yeah, in the toe. After a while, it really does. I'm really concentrating because I get a pain in the
4: toe on your mouth around my chest,
3: kind of behind below my eyes. I would say
5: a kind of tightness um, around my around my chest.
3: Oh no, across the face. I was I was pointing to my left cheek, but I was only I wasn't meaning it was just that one. I wasn't meaning it was just that one.
4: I'm really, really, really um, mesmerised. Mesmerised. Mesmerised by a scene mesmerized. on your shoes. Really? 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 I think there's a little hole. Really? And I start seeing it as X's mouth. And it's like the is um, coming out of so, Oh, it's a little so face. What yeah. was it like to be the Kinda carpet? Kind of behind, really? 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 It's like the poetry is no really coming out of just
5: to, Just to correct myself...
3: Across, so, across
4: my, um, so, like I really.
3: Um, it's quite a physical thing. But then I
4: start thing. to,
5: um, um,
3: yeah. Well, I already the have
4: feeling.
5: almost, almost.
3: Yeah, it's a little across, bit across,
4: like almost, smile. kind of. It's quite a and physical thing. And so thing. I don't um, know, like role play, like. And like, I really, it's like, it's almost almost like I'm kind of empathetically becoming the carpet. Yeah, the feeling. Well, I already have become the carpet. Oh, no, I wasn't meaning it was just imagining what it feels like to be the carpet. Yeah. I am Um. being the carpet. I am being the carpet. This is the God. This is the God-like. This is the My attention
5: light. is focused on rolling and giving space to the word um, Car- balustrade. Um, I'm still focused on luscious. stretching out the vowels.
4: Really like luscious pink. And
5: giving it a nice lot of kind of room rubbery. to resonate. Um, so um, um, there's a kind of... The
3: feeling in the cheeks, yeah. Almost,
5: almost kind Little. of stretchy, spatial feeling about, lips. about how I'm speaking i thinking about like the sort of tightness like on the skin opening, opening out that word balustrade carpet furrows so i'm yeah. focused on this sort of um,
4: imagining what it feels like to be Experienced the course a, a few of seconds stretching
5: before. opening up but i think how i said it Balustrade. I'm aware of. I'm aware Before of to them. the point where that's all there is of it having been produced in my voice and simultaneously kind of stretching it like
4: a kind of prerequisite that's of the experience. Like Quite a physical thing.
5: And a secondary part is the feeling of light and sound, kind of tenseness and nervousness. I
4: haven't attended to the actual words.
5: which manifests itself as a kind of tightness I um, around my around my chest. So
3: you could be experiencing light and sound at the same time, but the light. might might be experienced a few seconds before the sound. I
5: think it's the first vowel. I think it's the R sound, balustrade. O sound of balustrade. Bolustrade. The R sound balustrade. of balustrade, balustrade within the R as well. Strade. I think there's. I'm focusing somehow on, on kind of.
3: Okay, so I've put slight pressure between my eyes and the bridge of my nose, and I've I've put... Flat on the floor. I'm thinking I'm, quite I'm, deeply of images of, like blood. Kind of blood in a till, and I thought of like a money till, and blood kind I've of like got in got the grooves where abortion. the money would go. Um, It's... I suppose I'm it's it to down, the way that the not right, elong, right on the surface, down of a little elongation bit, or um, twist and it's going. Or t- yeah, yeah, I would say a little it's kind of not in the eyes, the nose, but it's the between the eyes and the bridge of the nose, kind of and up And the forehead. Here. It is, but you know what? Thinking about it, I don't think I can actually see any blood in the till.
4: I don't really know the difference. I don't I really know the difference. I am imagining where it would it's like a be, kind of but I don't think I can
3: actually see any.
5: It's kind of a... I
3: see the till, I think it's but I'm a more search. imagining the spaces where
5: search. it would be. I think it's search, it's search. There's much not, not round, it's sure. dark and search, it's just the till. Search description.
4: Sounds like Bob Dylan. I think that's what I was thinking
5: persisting sort of visually like i see it but what not very what am i strongly, seeing it's the not it very feels like
3: it's it feels like you're seeing it as nighttime and it's the ridges of the things that are defined i think you said something about smoke but i wasn't seeing um, i think smoke. the line was, was something not it was out. like frost
4: such description knocked us and out and it was
3: definitely a plowed field because the frost was on top of each of the ridges i can't remember if it was the, the ridges fields. are going away
4: from me or so going so i across. must have just sort of I immediately not like knowing a the rest of, of the line yeah. knocked us out There's some kind of elongation defined, or twist kind of or like a grain kind of like frost as well. I'm, I'm seeing recognizing them from, from the side and, and a little bit far up like quite an unusual angle they've both got shirts on yeah yeah they're on the floor No, flat on the floor. On their backs. No, no, they're lined up. I'm reading, but I'm seeing very clearly... um, the image of two bodies I lying it down side feels by like side something And I see them from kind of, a slightly, idea of a like kind from of this angle as if they were lying kind of there. but Maybe, like when maybe you get I'm a little bit further down, and, and it I really feels like see the something's profiles of kind of depressurized. Really so it's just from about like, here to here. Exactly. Like like something from, within. And there's something you know, we're really. The profiles of faces are really in kind of shade and light stuff. A really nice kind of light and shade, almost For some people, they project a mental image onto the in a room. Were coming well, together actually, the sort of light on them is and the sort of light, which we're, if it was a really dark room and there was just a little bit of curtain open. And, people and that's are kind where, of where it's going, in. So in not in there. That was before. the sort of light, a very kind of strong shade. It's a sort
5: of joint experience, a common experience. They
4: look kind of identical, but I know that one's female and one's male. You know, a common it experience. A it's really sort of blue-black.
5: Is the scene the reading room? I was imagining like a very a dark
4: totally scene. different unit. Is it
5: specifiable as like a bedroom of within a house Yeah, kind of like a
4: bedroom a room. Yeah, it's further An up. An upstairs room in a house but like a not furnished yeah, room. Yeah, the more I think So something think to do with the kind it. of it's distorted quite, um, it's rhythm. It's quite close up. There's definitely a window. Which is something uh, I'm kind of familiar with. A dark kind of I've like heard a lot old of it, fashioned money but till. But it's
5: slightly slightly different this it's time. Not, it felt yeah, slightly different. It's
4: not in this it's
5: not in this world. You might you only used to have... I think there's... I can only see... A memory coat.
4: of a did visual image? About a that much. And the feeling like a big
5: of it in the image. I think it's more... Like like I've a sort only of got pale about... Pale yellowy... No. Okay, I that thought you much. did. Anyway, I can only see really, that, yeah, that much. But it felt quite familiar kind of, of fake fur of coat a portion thing, even though it wasn't to totally clear would i wear clear. faux fur the stage um, so if i'm looking had that sort of i had the had memory, sort of, I had persistence like of that of that image or imagining still still in my experience, still, still in my experience even though it wasn't like sensitive. so if i
4: at memory but i can only of the visual in that
5: yeah,
3: and the feeling and like the there. when it gets to this stage of in the
5: image so i'm I'm aware of the kind of, um, kind of slur or um, and the kind phrase, of smoking rhythmic the twist fields. that she's given and it, a, sense um, of a one kind
3: of being syncopation. And on top of each ridge, a- and one being female, you, and the um, darkness kind of that came from that, and for me it's More quite Almost like there's a presence, presence there, the I'm not, not have have necessarily like a visual presence, but there's something I'm not next word to. Okay. Um, Oh, there's lots of different noises going on in this one.
5: I'm focused on making... Mm -hmm. I'm focused on kind uh-huh. of like making those sounds mm-hmm. come out, producing those, yeah. producing those uh-huh. well, not sounds, uh-huh. producing those words.
4: Mm-hmm. No, it's much more kind of um, um, a visual thing. Yeah. So it's an
5: experience of the words? No, mm-hmm.
4: just kind of reaching out to things, a little bit more I'm physical not, actually. not
3: thinking of a word, it's definitely a sound that's kind of lingering on. Um, I couldn't say actually. And I've put the sound of the voice think, of the speaker. I can't really remember. So yeah, the sound coming from the Reading of poetry, there's like a hissing noise that's actually coming out of the speaker, and I'm noticing that when the sound
4: of What the poet, I'd always intuited about these I'm poetry or when making, the poet stops I'm speaking, I'm focused on kind of like making those, in those sounds. In the speaker which is more like obviously there's mishearings but there's actually but a then when they start speaking again kind of co-creation those, of words producing as well the hiss comes back like words that just don't I get said like but something about the words that did get said and sort of communal listening of, of, kind of, it, it out, of it does this kind of spectral words as kind of heard words that are physically of it. spoken I had the voice of Alan Bennett in my head uh-huh. mm-hmm.
5: And paraphrasing, and reach and reaching out for um a hollow tubby zuka.
4: No idea what he means. I'm just—it's
3: a lingering thought. No, it's like a day out with a zuka, or a. Or a hearing from memory and a hearing from well, the room? Well, I'm like or really
4: deep into this image that I've written that it um, almost feels like, like, a a, like a sort of dream experience. experience of um, words. And I'm in the sea, and it's my point of view. And I can really see, see it, kind of but waves. I know, um, that was a man And I'm that reaching walked for past. objects, and I can't... I'm really reaching, reaching for out one for, um, as the, um, um, as the um, buzzer um, goes. And it's something specific, that's a little bit but more I with lost feeling. by the time I'm trying to remember what it was. But I know it was something specific. I'm kind of reaching, reaching and out grabbing the things, um, and I really feel kind of up. I don't, it don't know. Feels really conducted by X's voice. So but um, I'm not um, really aware the of the page. words themselves, or I'm, I'm not just hearing, hearing them. As words. And then processing. I'm and then, just, and then just, hearing. it's just, just in the experience. experience of the words. It's very much um, like X is narrating and and making the images kind, kind of like um, an echoing sort of voices and emphasis on that word. And I'm, that not sort of I'm not. Because so I'm not. So it really feels I'm like they authoring it, it. But, I'm not but it didn't come through at this it's time. not I'm kind, of kind, kind of, of it overlapping, overlapping on the, the immediacy of what X is saying. But they're definitely authoring the sort of imagery as it as it happens.
3: So, was this part of your kind of visual image obscured by the waves? Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: It was a real kind of line of like of waves kind of halfway down. Is that
5: like a cam like when it hits a camera or was it
4: Yeah, yeah, it was just like that. Yeah, so it wasn't in my eyes. It was like my eyes were a camera. Because you wouldn't have that experience if the waves were there. You'd be like, ah, it was more like wearing goggles.
3: But then your vision wouldn't be obscured, I take it, if you were wearing goggles you'd be able to see above and below. This is different as an actual...
4: Yeah, but it was translucent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like there
5: was a beach or anything like that?
4: No, it was really out to sea. I'm I'm being
3: quite analytical. I'm oh, wondering whether your poem is a medical questionnaire. questionnaire.
5: Because it didn't... It didn't look like a cartoon, but and I think that sense... what she
3: did say imagining
4: to or fake sense of a typewritten sort of written It's a cross. Not yeah, necessarily I directly mean... the same, but a reenactment.
5: Or an image that I knew yeah, from somewhere diagram. like it. A
4: sheet and sentences I'm and boxes to be
5: yeah. It had a kind a of student. element of those um, um, Julian Opie kind yeah, of like... Yeah, I just yeah, I go. Like lights. a
3: form that's sort of coming towards me, you like the slightly slanted. It
5: looks it like if you the had a... It image like a person for There's you.
4: nothing beyond the form. Upright. It
5: didn't look like that. It felt a bit like that kind of thing where someone is...
4: It's black and white, just like black lines.
5: A person is kind No, I don't up, feel any personal
4: connection to it Like drawing a crutch to explain to somebody.
5: There's not quite enough to be a person. So it's what just,
4: a crutch was clutch was like an iconic image um, but no, also something I haven't, like
5: a cartoon
4: and she was saying things like I haven't started it's filling it in or anything like where
5: there's just a vague sketch of someone well, and it becomes almost
4: like more it's like a kind of bracket. like a form this of, of coming to me. because like you really do want to kind of put That's a poem a sense together rather than an actual, like, a actual visual image down in my head
5: a person out of the sketch
4: one line activates the memory it's of another kind one kind of That's exactly the sort of thing you want like i want but like are you thinking about technique at like the rhyme same time? Yeah, does they're sort of but flowing sounds know. too
5: smooth, I think, but there's some kind of I think it's your coursing spoken or tumbling in my head. quality. One experience so like that a, kind of brings like out the quality kind of the previous of one. Um, it's like moving, but not actually moving, moving forward.
3: Can I ask a crutch question as well? Yeah. Okay. When you first started describing it, you said there was a montage. There was montage. also a sort of
4: montage overlay of a diagram. Sort of drawing diagram: it was of a, a sort of, fractured of a or outlined
5: person um, ah, right. who was walking with a I think stick I got the over, same confusion as you because ground, I thought you were seeing the crutch up or that was had what been she building was saying in, in the voice of in my head ways.
4: but I was also imagining, which is really weird because Quite it's like yours I was also put, put, um, seeing the image of a, a diagram and then that a m- sort of, weird outline of a drawing of a, crutch, of a crutch on which isn't a walking stick, so.
0: These two performances were performed at the Myelin Art Pavilion um, as part of the exhibition Rest and Its Discontents, which was uh, came about as a result of the Hubbub Group's uh, residency at Welcome Collection last year. You can hear more about that by looking back in the archives of the podcast and finding the chat between myself, um, James Wilkes and Holly Pester when they were both on residency there, looking at what rest means what as a concept what it is and um, how we get more and how much we need and to finish off today's episode it's um, a solo performance by emma bennett called shift emma makes performances using her voice in collaboration with contingent technologies and shift is a composition drawn from a night-long navigation through a neglected itunes account i'm going to read her description of the piece here so that if I try to paraphrase anything I'm going to get it completely uh, back to front but so Emma describes it as what should be a curated collection of self-defining music is on this battered laptop an accidental archive of an artistic practice stocked with fragments of performance attempted bird imitations recorded conversations and cheap sound effects so here's Emma and uh, yeah just remember that Rest and Its Discontents is on at the Mile End Art Pavilion in London until the 30th October 2016. So um, I highly recommend getting them on to see it. It was a really interesting project and residency, and um, a lot of very interesting work has come out of that project now. Here's Emma, thanks for listening. <laughs>
3: Walk, <Sings> walk, try, I eat, 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 no no eat, 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 no 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 Pretending. Pretending. <laughs> pretending. 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 It's obvious. About Frenchers? Through the swing. No, through the brown chap. Body, I mean my woo body. Dogs laughing a bit. Something times I uh, do do a sort of four days, a four days, a four days. Ooh. made shadowy after after the uh, made shadow after a struggle with hoops Hoop hoop I don't Anna her and Jenny her hands hands and crumbs in a house and if I somehow turned my crumbs on in feral rehearsals let's walk in Fast witch walking rehearsals, whoop whoop, luxury prick prick, stopped singing. Birds bent the cross and cross earth body and spirit, my blue body and dogs singing in there. However, in luxury to claw Claire, think of how the second half started when we all got Claire to flow in a gin, squirted and under. Sit on the four-rail sleeve and him, loop, hoop him. Imagine speaking. Shift lounger. Kids. I'm tired. Ledge, walking, fights ledge walking rehearsals Hoop, hoop, swift shift 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 curtains. shift shift curtains. shift 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 Diddly shift 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 Oh, shift, oh, shift, shift. Shift. Curtains, it's always shift your curtains. losing soundtracks and comfy. Whether or not sometimes I'm gonna 25 days uh, a pachoo pachoo of the, uh, I'm making keen horses. Uh, Western bright lights, bit of a dominant, yeah, theme running stop for the doing. Why don't you? Feel what we felt, house, shouting in the house. Sucks, hold her again. But oh, can you just say where you were when you, so you were, where were you? When you were waiting, I was, uh, and I starting waiting. So I was at the bus stop, so you were in Shoreditch, yeah. I was catching the, and I started off, yeah. And I went to the bus stop where the route starts, and the, the bus stop was closed. So I thought I'd just walk to the next stop. And then, so I did that, and and so I thought, well, I'll keep walking, and the bus stop, when the bus comes, and it was coming, and I got all the way home. And it was it was about 45, even when it wasn't at the bus stop. And there was all that time, there was something in your head. No, not all that time, over London Bridge. And it, some, it's something to do with a little phrase that was to do with, like, uh, the bus not coming or something like that a few words and it was short what the words a long word it's a tan i think i was i'm not sure i was you were walking fast always so it's like in that rhythm of blue 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 on da blue blue under walker falling inside of Kevin's body. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to soar, shift the language I used to dream? A social animal, passive keys, is understanding of seriousness only as the passive keys. Memory of curtain, the passive bowl of velvet needs to be revealed. Walking curtains let the light in velvet. Shift lounge, apple, beetle, challenge, discovery, mm, enigma, flame, um, Georgia. Must anyway, whatever. Um igloo, um gel kelp, lime, um mother mm, neurotic. Over, polite, quick, wrist, steel, time, universe, feel, vegan, um, xenophobe, yoga, zebra. Rock being thrown into water, avarice, absence, banana, beep banality, uber da child, uber da da da, uber da elephant, 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 uber da, da, da. Da, da, da dropped his feline forward child. Kyle, comedy, hope, oh my injustice, I, incent gestures, jugular jelly, Campari King. Laughable overture. Mammal, it's a B with a little F and wants just patsh, wants to be normal, poof, operate. Oh, it is a feet person, poof. Precision is, is, is here, right? want responsibility, I speaking, there is one solid beach, sordid, deep-to-date, tant, titillate, which umbrellas say, date, uniform, I don't know from our nation, I, are you a virgin, weak, weak, uh, I've been speaking, it is not a job, yo, to engage in the luxury of a zone wait that now is the time to do Doom. Lawnmowers starting and idling. Doom. Doom. ooh, Oo. 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 Ah. Chaka 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 chaka. Ooh, It starts
2: high. I keep my dick hanging out of
3: my pants. Ha. And hear her laughing. The passive! People. People active. People active. Sh, Act, shh. Act, shh. Do, 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 do. Dun, ding. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong Would he come to the real I me mean, Got the weather from elsewhere on the internet Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong Over, lead onto another surface Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong Cheese shows through unexpectedly Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong Below this level, wood ratchet, short crank There is no one Below this, there is never the operation Below this, well hurry up, there is none Below this level Minimize, 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 minimize Whoa, 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 whoa this level. It needs to be solid Ding dong ding dong ding dong pring dong ding dong ding dong two. ding dong ding dong tunic.